Welcome to the Offseason Podcast. My name's Sean, I'm here with my co-hosts, Petty and Dre, and we've created a show that straddles the line between the creative and health and wellness communities to spotlight the similar conversations we saw happening in both circles. It's a platform for storytelling, exploration, and learning for anyone who wants to grow, reflect, and take advantage of the off-season. In today's episode, we talk about triggers. Triggers are everywhere, and as we explore in this conversation, the way we respond can be influenced by our mood, environment, or our state of mind. While triggers don't ever go away, the work we do to understand why we feel triggered and the true source of the pain can help us deal with them in a healthy way. Let's get to work. Jay, you look nervous. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just got like a wave of like anxious energy. It's just, I feel it in my stomach. Okay. What about you, Petty? How are you feeling? It's been chaotic, but we're good. <laughs> okay. This, this Describe chaotic. There is a lot of stuff going on in the city and in my head and just being able to relax and settle everything is nice so are you saying you feel triggered (laughs) (laughs) um sometimes yes okay yes how um just when there's too much that i can't keep up with and i feel i think the right word is overwhelmed okay that's Mm -hmm that's really what it is and there's too many other there's too many things going on and i'm like okay i can't sometimes i can mentally keep track of things in my head of like okay this is what a week looks like or this is what stuff is and when there's way too many things going on like summer now that it's like summer's kind of started that's where it is so i just need to like find time still moments to reset and figure that out do you find that physically your response from for feeling overwhelmed as well as triggered is kind of like similar uh sometimes i know um when i feel triggered i feel much more i feel a rush of emotions like i can feel like the warmth in my body yes i can definitely relate to that yeah so that that's something i feel when i feel overwhelmed i can just feel it it's just mentally like it's like stuff Imagine a lot of papers floating around in my head and they're just all flying in the wind. That's what it feels like. And then I can't, like, they're not being organized. I just need, like, a a spell to get them in order. And then so I can just, like, okay, go through it Mm -hmm. very easily. But right now they're all scattered and it's finding the things that kind of settle me again. But when I'm triggered, it's the emotions come up and then I have to figure out how to dial the temperature back down so that I can actually respond Like not emotion, not too emotionally. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. What about you, Dre? Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I'm triggered, I'm. It's it's like I I have no control. Like I'm out of control, and so I think that's very similar to your overwhelming emotion that you're just kind of speaking to, and that it's like I can feel it, and I'm almost like looking at myself. Like it's like I'm not even in my body. Mm-hmm. I'm like. I'm like seeing everything kind of pass before me and I'm just kind of there in the middle of the chaos that's happening. And uh, there's like no way to think clearly in those moments I find. And so very similarly, I have to um, take a step back and kind of wait for things to come or just like let whatever come up, come up, no matter how ugly or awful it may feel um, before I can then like look at things a bit more clearly. Yeah, interesting. I find I like the comparison of overwhelmed and triggered because for me, 
my anxiety feels the same no matter what the situation is. So if I'm triggered by something, if I'm overwhelmed by something, the reaction physically is the same thing. Mm. I get the warmth no matter what. Okay. And my heart starts racing in both situations. And that's where I struggle to breathe. Um, I actually had an interesting conversation earlier this week talking about anxiety specifically. So I thought anxiety was the same for everybody, always in the chest. I found out this week that that's completely not true. Yes. <laughs> and so that was complete news to me, but I was only going off of my own experience. And so um, in the situations where I'm feeling overwhelmed or I'm feeling triggered, the anxiety is constant. And so that's where I differ from the two of you. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting because triggers are everywhere. Yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> Literally everywhere. And unconsciously too. So sometimes you think you're in control of a lot of things and something happens and all of a sudden it's a reminder that no, you haven't dealt with this or no, you don't, you, you know, this is something that bothers you that you're not even aware is bothering you. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know, for me, it's an opportunity to kind of address those things, but in the moment, very difficult to do. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's really why I feel like Dre and I need the space because we kind of know we've, I feel like we've had enough, I'll speak for myself, yeah. have enough like emotional after. outbursts mm-hmm. in that moment. I was like, oh, that's not, that wasn't great. That was not, when you reflect on, you're like, oh, that's not how I wanted to, that's not how I want to react to people. And mm-hmm. that wasn't me. And you're like, oh, that's what it was. You just look back and you're like, oh, that's the thing that caused it. It was the trigger that mm-hmm. I was triggered. And then you emotionally respond. And I know as an emotional person, I just don't ever want to get to that place. That's why I need the time to cool off, reflect, and then figure out, was it, was I, was it the thing that triggered me or was it just something else? Or like, was it me being triggered by something else beforehand that that was a moment that kind of just brought it up again or whatever the case is, it's like, oh, there's reflection necessary. And that's the the kind of cool off period or whatever it is Mm -hmm. to think again, was it more logically, just more, yeah, I guess more logically or more rationally. Yeah, I think mm. for me, one, I used to have those emotional outbursts as well too, and I think I'm probably speaking for the three of us here, mm-hmm. based on how we've gone about personal work and things like that. There might have been times where those emotional outbursts like were a very common thing, mm-hmm. but I find now that it's all internal, and then I go back, sit with my thoughts. Why did that bother me? Things mm-hmm. like that, and that's in my opinion the healthiest way to deal with it but it's it's very difficult to stop in the moment of course and and not (laughs) and not just be like what the fuck yeah Mm -hmm. yeah i mean i think that when i want space and i'm trying to avoid the emotional outburst it's because i'm so fixated on the aftermath like how do I recover from this mm-hmm. um, because a lot of times triggers as you kind of said are everywhere and that means it can be people very close to you it can be family it can be friends it could be whatever and I think that when you really care about the other side or whoever's triggering you or whatever is triggering you that it's I'm looking at it like okay how do we move forward from this? And so is an emotional outburst like mm-hmm. gonna get me there? 
at least in front of this person or whatever, like probably not. It's probably not the most constructive way to go about something. And so for me, I need to retreat. And sometimes I need to retreat and still have that emotional outburst, but in like on my own, just on my own so that at least like I'm the only one that's like experiencing it and like nobody else is kind of within reach to experience that side. And then hopefully they can just, you know, kind of see the aftermath a little bit of like, I've sat with it and this is where I'm at now versus when everything was so fuzzy and I couldn't make sense of what was going on. So how do you, when you have those moments, like what is your process like? Like taking space is obviously part of that, but like what else is is accompanied with that? Yeah, so like last weekend as an example, cause I kind of did this recently, like I need to just let the emotions come up whatever it is um so for me a lot of the time um I I cry because it's like the best form of release for me for whatever reason um and that goes across like anything if I'm sad if I'm um, frustrated if I'm angry if I'm whatever for whatever reason crying just seems to get it like out um so for me it's like sitting with it it's having a really good cry and then it's like looking it's looking at what kind of happened and what was kind of coming up. It's a lot of journaling. Sometimes I'll listen to podcasts that I've listened to before, but I know that it's going to touch on something that I need to hear again. Um, and so that can kind of help to prompt me a little bit to to look at something again. Mm-hmm. What about you, Petty? Uh, well, I actually was fixated on a point that Jerry mentioned. She said fuzzy because okay. I was like, oh, that's a really good way to describe like that feeling well it's like that seeing red concept yeah right where like it just like when you said the warmth like that's exactly it and it's like a fuzzy warmth that just like it starts in the head and it goes just all the way through the body and you just all of a sudden your your blood is rushing and hearts racing and well that's it it's that response right and i was like oh yeah that's a really it's like fuzzy is a really good word Mm -hmm. to describe it because you could i could feel Fuzzy. feel that yeah i feel <laughs> fuzzy the way you're right the warmth the tingling of your skin and whatnot and you're like yeah that mm-hmm. that is a great way to describe that um and she was you guys were trey was talking about her my process, like process. Guess, yeah. yeah yeah um no I, i'd say mine's fairly similar it's like okay mm-hmm. like trying to stay calm in that so I'm, i think i mentioned before it was like mindfulness is a big part of my regulation for emotion so it's just okay focus on your breathing focus on like being in your body and focus on just regulating you those little things because those feelings like the warmth the fuzziness that's just your body responding to whatever is going on externally mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so if i can settle what's going on internally that will help me regulate and move forward and then the part that i think is super important that Dre mentioned is the feedback portion after because then Mm. it's like okay what is it what caused it why are we Mm -hmm. looking at it and then that reflection piece to me is super valuable because you have to figure that out you don't know what might have been the cause or what it is and Mm -hmm. it's like something that you didn't might not have thought about right like so many things are so normal that you Mm -hmm. feel so normal and you're like oh it was that it was this one little piece that was different than the rest of my day it kind of has to do with like how you're doing internally already because like I could be Mm -hmm. having a really great day and I feel so good and something maybe could have been a trigger in the past and yet I'm like brushing it off and I'm like I'm fucking great yes um but if I'm like stressed or I'm tired or you know bothered by 
something that didn't happen the way I wanted it to in the day or whatever like a lot of the time I think it comes from work and then that same like trigger comes again it's going to be amplified by like a hundred in that moment versus if I'm like I'm feeling really good I'm really calm and centered today doesn't impact me it doesn't really touch me the same as when I'm like no I'm not feeling great and things are not going okay yeah I think that's a really good way to point that out and Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the reasons why I know to take time because I go it's yeah it's a me thing of me knowing where my stress level is at at exactly point and you're like yeah that shouldn't that would never normally bother me but I'm in this agitated state yeah so it felt away and I go yeah Yeah, and you have less patience for it and yeah um the other thing I was thinking about though is that when you have those moments it can almost be misleading that you're truly okay just because you happen to be having a good day Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean that you're truly okay it means that like you still need to look at it and what contributed to you dealing with it better than you did the other day it doesn't mean that it's gone or that you've dealt with it no that that's a good point because that's part of the feedback piece and the reflection is like oh that would have triggered me previously and why didn't it? Was it because of my great day and me being in a great emotional state? Mm-hmm. Or actually, have I done work to get to this point where this does, like, I can actually deal with this and cope with it in a healthier way? Yes. Yeah. Right? Yes. And I remember what I was going to say now. And it was talking about those triggers. You had brought up the point where it's not necessarily the thing mm-hmm. that triggers you. It's something related to that or it's bringing up a past trauma or things like that. So the real kind of trial to kind of figure that out is is taking the time to be like, why did I react that way? Because nine times out of 10, that shit wouldn't bother me. Mm-hmm. Why today did it bother me? Mm-hmm. Was it the person? Was it the thing? Did it remind me of something that I've gone through in the past? Like, what are these mm-hmm. things? And then the issues kind of stem from there because mm-hmm even when you reflect back on those things it's not even those things it's how those things Mm. made you feel what they represent for you or things like that yes yeah Yeah. it's a good point yeah i mean that's kind of what comes up for me i guess when i even think of the word trigger is i think of two things i think of past hurt and i think of uh feedback Mm -hmm. which we've kind of been talking about the feedback piece a little bit Mm -hmm. um but definitely the past hurt where like to your point sean like it might not even be the thing that you think that it is. It's like so much farther back than that. A lot of it is very much based in childhood trauma. And then, you know, when that's not dealt with, you repeat things over and over and over again mm-hmm. um, because you still haven't dealt with it. And so when you have these repeating scenarios happen, it just further validates and validates what that childhood trauma was until you try to like intercept it and so I think that's where the feedback piece comes in it's like okay this thing triggered me or whatever because of x y and z all right the last time I dealt with it in this way that wasn't productive I was still angry I was still upset I was still all these things or whatever so now it's like okay triggered again now having the history how do we do this differently Mm mm-hmm I mean, I think that's where like something like therapy is so valuable mm-hmm. because that is what you dig back into is like the history. Like what is this past thing that actually is the root cause of mm-hmm. all these other things that may have triggered you? 
mm-hmm. and then when you actually work back to that full root cause and at least have a understanding of what that is then you can work to work through the next few things well, right and i also mm-hmm. think you get an unbiased opinion mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you remove yourself mm-hmm. from the situation yes. right like you're not now just having the conversation in your head with yourself yeah you're having it with somebody who's going to prompt you or ask you to think mm-hmm. about things in a particular way or things like that so i mean i definitely think that that's incredibly valuable because mm-hmm. i i think the next thing that i was going to kind of bring up was what are we doing when we're repeating these behaviors like sometimes the feedback is great if you listen to it mm-hmm. but there's so many people out there and i've been guilty of it in the past as well too where you just repeat mm-hmm. the same behavior mm-hmm. For me, it was like until I just got to a point where I'm like, I can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But some people don't even get to that point. So it's kind of like, you know, I think obviously I think it's on them to, to figure that out. But it, it can be so hard when you're so wrapped up in your own world. Yes. And, and for somebody like me who's an introvert, internalizes a lot of things. A lot of these conversations happen in my head with me. And it doesn't, I'm not always giving myself the best advice, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a good point because I think that's also why it's always good to have, I don't want to say real people around you or like yeah. the, like mm-hmm. the, the community people around you that do check you in a sense mm-hmm. um, and can like the unbiased thing to me is very important because there's friends, but then there's also like people who are completely objective mm-hmm. and third party that don't have any stake in it that can make that right. And then I think something that I th- I've found that's been very valuable is when friends check whether they like do you want real advice like mm-hmm. do you want advice mm-hmm. or do you want me to be a friend yes. right because i think that's something that i'm like i just need a hug right now yes because that's what i need in this moment to get through this uh this moment that i'm having mm-hmm. right or sometimes i'm like yeah i need to hear that like that's what i need to hear to get me moving mm-hmm. yeah right and the differentiation the differentiation between the two i think is important but that to me is like a maturity of emotional maturity of a friend who i'm like mm-hmm. yeah that's a great person in my circle because they understand where I'm at and what I needed in that moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we all, I was looking today, liked that post from We're Not Really Strangers and it was like, <laughs> do you need advice or do you need a hug? Yes. Mm-hmm. Right? You just kind of repeated the same thing and it's yeah. it's one of those things where you're right. Situationally, you might want one or prefer one over the other. Um, but if you're really looking to change something, like if you're always asking for the hug over the, you know, the true advice, yep. then you're never going to change. So mm-hmm. it also falls on us, I think, to want to make the change yep. um, in order to actually, you know, change things. Well, it goes into like there's a the trans theoretical model of change, right? So oh, it's like seven okay. stages. <laughs> this, like, this, this goes into like it's like there's like seven <laughs> stages of I can't remember them all right now, mm-hmm. uh, but there's moments like there'd be a pre-contemplation phase where someone's not even thinking about change, right? Because they have to get to a certain point where they can actually make the change themselves, like to your point. Mm, okay. So if they're not ready to make the change, it doesn't matter how much you like bought, like really force them to do it. They won't, mm-hmm. right? Because they're not ready. Mm-hmm. And for them to make it like a long-term sustainable change, they have to go through that, figure out what phase they're in. And then from there, when they're ready, that's when the actual change happens, right? So this kind of goes back into a bit of habit building and habit creating and habit formation because it is have to figure out where someone is and you have to kind of meet them where they are because if they're not ready to change, you can't change them, right? But mm-hmm. what you can do is plant seeds to then let them figure out what that looks like for them and then mm-hmm. enough seeds or enough like 
I guess, what do we, I call them flybys, but it's just enough experiences that are like, okay, cool. Maybe you're doing this, or maybe it's your friend and you're like, oh, they want to do something more physical, like run, or I guess I'll use run as an example. And they're like, I want to run and like never invite them to it or maybe invite them every single time and like know that they're not going to actually go. And maybe one day something snaps for them and they're like, I'm going to do that. It's a nice day. And they feel they're in that good place and Mm -hmm. like in a good mood. And they're like, Mm -hmm. okay, I'll do do this. And then that's like what they need to get hooked. Right. And it's like that Mm -hmm. moment that they needed. And it's like, that's their internal state being ready. But then that's like the piece of change that you're like, okay, cool. That's Mm -hmm. what it might take. Right. Yeah. And I think that that's part of changing the things that you can control. Mm -hmm. But I also think that the, the other part of it is that I don't, at least in my experience, like triggers don't go away. We just get better at managing them. And so the person who is experiencing the trigger eventually might get to a point where like, okay, I know how to deal with this. I move forward. It's not going to affect me in the way that I might've emotionally burst, uh, Mm -hmm. had an outburst in the past. But for me, you know, relationships, people, whatever you hear a name, all of a sudden, like the heart races a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And that's a weird thing. And you're like, I thought I had dealt with this. I thought I've over this. And it's like years have passed and it's, you still get the same thing where you're reminded of, you know, a bullying incident when you're younger. And then all of a sudden it's like, you get the warm fuzzies. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to keep referring to it. That's cool. That's cool. I like, I love that. I think that's sick. I bet people who hear that, it's like, oh, they'll know exactly. They'll be able feeling. to relate. Yeah. And sure. they'll know even a moment where they felt the warm fuzzies. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, for me, it's always present. It's just how you manage it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. Pretty sure Mark Rowe said that too. That like, oh really? Your triggers are always going to be your triggers. You just get better at managing them if mm-hmm. you choose to okay. do the work, which is it's fair. I think so. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it really is right. But that's why, like, I uh, I know for me, pro- part of the process is we like to people are just like, oh, you're always doing things, and like part of that is learning. Like I, I look mm-hmm. at that as like a feedback loop because you do different things to then learn what things trigger you or whatnot, right? So like yeah. if I take fitness as an example, someone going on their fitness journey, some that's some, like a lot of the time it's actually not physical change that they're looking for. Like they say it's physical change, but it's actually something emotional or something mm-hmm. that they're dealing with that they seek out fitness to go through a process to learn. And then through that process, if they're ready for it, or if they're at a place where they've dealt with other things, they like learn in fitness, you learn like how to physically deal with it like those emotions so when you're holding a plank or you're at the end of like a set and you're like in a place where it doesn't feel good and you learn to push through that all it does is prepare your body to then push through that and deal with things later on in another portion of your life so Mm -hmm. if maybe if, if they're more emotionally mature or ready for something else it's like oh that if that's something that they're working on they can use that same principle in that portion of their life mm-hmm. and maybe it is like maybe a relationship they need to get out of or something in their life or a friendship they need to break up a friendship they need to break up right and it's like oh that's like, pushing through that allows them to then go give them the strength to go do that in their life yeah mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. it's like that's the that's something that i think is super valuable it's like oh you learn to do those things through things like by doing something you learn that like you learn teamwork and how to deal with people in, in relationships on a team Oh, mm-hmm. sport. I right? was about to say sport. But that's the stuff, right? You're like, oh, yeah. cool. Like, you go do something, and then you, like, start to understand, like, art and emotion, to me, is one of those things that, mm-hmm. like, artists very much know how, like, what kind of emotions are eliciting or, like, trying to 
release when they make art. And then it's through that process is like, you have to almost internalize what their process is to then be like, I need to be in this state to create this type of art. And then when you look at the art, you can see the emotion that's there. Mm -hmm. Right. And you're like, those are the things and you're like, okay, cool. What's that look like for me? Yeah. You actually brought up something interesting because we spent a lot of this conversation so far talking about personal triggers and like personal interactions, but in the workplace, in health and wellness specifically, I was thinking mm -hmm. about like people who get fat shamed and things like mm -hmm. that. And that can be a trigger to something that happened to them when they were younger. And so even within the environment of wanting to create the change are a bunch of triggers that could set people back. Mm -hmm. And fitness, I feel, is one of the ones where it happens the most because people are reminded of a time they couldn't do something or reminded of a time that they were, um, you know, shamed for their body or whatever. And that sets them on a whole different path. I know for me, creatively, I get triggered at work. I get create or triggered while I'm like trying to create things, not because of other people, but because I'm like, I'm reminded of a time where I wasn't able to achieve something that I had set out to achieve. Mm -hmm. So, you know, because we do talk about these two spaces a bit, I just, it got me thinking about like within those spaces, there's just as much happening outside or in those spaces outside, compared to like relationships and personal interactions. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's cool because talking about that is like, there's so many things that we used to cope like those are also coping mechanisms that are built into those spaces. So and they're also escape. Exactly, escape <laughs> tactics, right? Well, I mean, like I'm a I'm an emotional eater, right? Like for so sure, am I. Yeah. right? And that's one of those things that I'm like, oh, when I'm triggered, what do I do? Like I need to find something sweet or a snack or something. That I'm like, mm -hmm. you know what? That's a valid point. Like mm -hmm. <laughs> my default is to order cookies or something like yeah, that. Yeah. See, when I'm <laughs> when interesting. yeah yeah, but no, the, but those mean. are like habitual things, right? You don't even think about it, and I know. For me, uh, one thing I noticed was when I'm studying, like I mm -hmm. hate, hated studying in university, but not whenever I studied, part of my setup was food. So I could never study in a library because I needed to eat or snack on something when mm -hmm. I was doing work and I couldn't. And I was like, oh, it's me coping with like dealing with sitting here and trying to do this, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I can't sit still and do this. I so. find for me, it's like kind of a procrastination tactic. Mm -hmm. It's like, mm -hmm. I could be sitting here and doing this thing, but like, I'd rather eat this thing. Absolutely. <laughs> and it, it becomes comfort for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's comfort. But it, it's funny because that's what it's comfort food, right? Like that's a yeah. thing, right? And then you default to that when you're stressed out. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and that's kind of where you, you got me thinking was something triggers you at work. For example, come home, all of a sudden you feel drained and you're like, I hate feeling this way. And then my default is to go to food. Mm -hmm. That's always been it. It's cool that you saying that it reminds me like the way I visualize it is like a stress meter and a mm -hmm. stress bar. Mm -hmm. So like some days you have it's like energy and stress. You're giving us right? great social content. Well, today, those are things, way. right? I was like <laughs> energy and stress are two things. And I go when you're super energized, the str whatever stresses you and can stress you like it ma it can match mm -hmm. because it's like, oh, something is super stressful, but your energy super high. Nothing. It's yeah. fine. But then when your energy super low, the smallest stress stressors can really trigger you right yeah and I go, that's what we were talking about yeah. earlier about the like amplifying and how are you yep. truly doing internally exactly and that's why i always look at it as like the two correlated bars mm -hmm. because based on where one is we can only control the one mm -hmm. we can control we can control the both of them but mostly we have way more control over the energy we have right mm -hmm. right and the stressors there's much more 
there's definitely we can do things to recover and like help improve that but for the most part a lot of that stuff comes externally mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so those are the things that i'm like okay well focus on how do you maintain your energy so that you can and like i can regulate things through that like focus on those processes because then anything that stresses you doesn't if you have control over mm-hmm. that that side of it right i love that so mm-hmm. much right? mm-hmm. yeah that's and that's how that's why you can be happy-go-lucky sometimes right? well yeah, yeah. And, and you know like Dre was saying earlier if your energy is at a particular level it is a lot easier to kind of brush things off or if you're in a good mood mm-hmm. you're like you know what nothing's gonna ruin today like I've got mm-hmm. the best news ever like doesn't matter that this thing is kind of bothering me but not necessarily in comparison it's not even close mm-hmm. but as Dre was saying, if you haven't dealt with it, then it's coming back at some point. Yes. That's right? what I mean. It's misleading a little bit. Yes. Like I think if I even look at my week, like like I was triggered last week and I took the weekend to process and be quiet. And then Monday, Tuesday was really rough. Wednesday, I felt like nothing had ever happened. Mm-hmm. And I was like. So what shifted? Well, I was about to get into that. Well, oh. <laughs> I wasn't fine. I wasn't. Yes. I was uh, overwhelmed by the stress mm-hmm. of work that day that it compl- it was the only thing in my mind. It consumed me mm-hmm. that day. And I was talking to a friend and I was like, they were like, how are you doing? And I'm like, I think I'm fine. And they're just like, uh, really? And I was like, <laughs> actually, no, I don't think so. I was like, I think I'm just like distracted today yeah, by what is word. currently yeah, yes. in front of me that I really can't see anything else because then the Thursday like I had therapy and then I was a mess again and I was like there yes. it is there it is yes. that's what I was looking for um and so sometimes I was talking to a friend about this where when I know let's say I've had like stressful days of work but I know that there's something underneath that's bothering me I will purposely trigger myself and so I'll do that by listening to a song that I know is going to bring back memories oh, or I'm something like that. that. Yeah. I will do it or I'll read a message again <laughs> to like re like to reignite it because I didn't want it to go dormant because I didn't want it to just like pass me by. Like yeah. I didn't want that. You and need I'm, to feel it. I need to feel you know, it. Yes. And that's why. And so I was like, <laughs> yeah. So I was just like, you know what? I'm going to do it to myself because I know it needs to come up it needs to be released in some form or fashion and i don't know when i was thinking about that i was like that may sound a little crazy like why would you do that to yourself but i'm honestly doing it so that it it comes and it gets processed and it gets released Mm -hmm. because otherwise it's just going to be stuck in my body and it's just going to build up for another time Mm -hmm. and then that emotional outburst that we're always trying to avoid is going to be like 10 times as bad i think that's it's really valuable that you say that also because i feel like you're on a very good path in terms of dealing with the external stressors or like the internal stressors in a sense like you're actively doing work to understand the root causes of them so then it doing that and like making sure that there's still attention to the little ones Mm -hmm. isn't like it doesn't hurt you long term whereas i can feel for some if you're not doing the work and you like highlight that, that's like almost like a self-sabotage tactic that they're like, yes. right? Yes. It's like, yeah, you're in a very good place where it's like, okay, yeah, this won't yeah, overwhelm there's, there's you. There is a bit of like a, like a gray zone where yes. it's like you're either sabotaging yourself yep. or you're like doing it to then be productive and get something out of it. So yes. I think a lot of the time it comes down to intent, like I think a lot of things mm-hmm. do. And even when I think about 
you know, Petty, you and I like to take space. Like, Sean, maybe you act a little bit differently. Like, when we thought of, when we were talking about attachment styles, like, Mm -hmm. even us taking space, depending on the intent behind that, could mean something very different. Yes. Because I think, you know, if we're taking space, I think it's called stonewalling. Mm. It's to punish the other person. Yes. But if you're taking space because you're like, I'm literally overwhelmed right now. Like, I just need to settle my own internal system. Like, I think that's very different. And so I think looking at the intent behind why you're going to do something is also very important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You brought up something that like just a flood of like memories and shit came back for me. I I love sad music. I love <laughs> I fucking love sad music. I'll listen to sad music when yeah. I'm in a good mood and I'll listen to sad music when I'm in a bad mood. But when I'm in a bad mood and I throw on sad music, it's like intentional. Like I want to feel whatever the fuck I'm, I'm yes. going yes. through. And I always thought that that was like a weird thing and it makes me think of those memes. It's like people with sad music oh, yeah. and they're like breaking <laughs> yeah, the iPod yeah. but the volume is going so high. But that's for me as an mm-hmm. introvert when I am trying to process something, I default to music all the time because Mm -hmm. I feel for me that musicians and artists who make a living off this stuff can vocalize what I'm feeling Mm -hmm. better than I can. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. I have the feeling, I have the emotion, Mm -hmm. but they're, they're vocalizing it. They're, they're Mm -hmm. putting words to that emotion and it helps me connect with it. And then sometimes you hear music where you're, you know, it's coming from the opposite perspective of what you're feeling or going through. And you're like, fuck, like maybe I'm in the wrong on this or, or maybe I'm feeling triggered because of that. Mm-hmm. And, and so I find for me it's very helpful, but it's hilarious because like sad music when you're sad is not necessarily the, the healthiest mm-hmm. thing, but I do find it to be helpful well, for me. Well, you know, what I find part of that is, is um, I was like, listening to a podcast, there's a guy named Josh Whiteskin. And he was talking about like sensitivity, right? So if, if you are feeling sad, if we rate it on a scale of one to 10, you might be a four, right? But the music, like, for you to feel it, you might have to get to a four to feel it, right? To be like, oh, if 10 is happy and one is sad, you have to get to that point. Some of the things that, or maybe you're even higher, sorry, I'll say you're at six, but you know you're sad, like you're kind of moving towards there. The emotions of those songs amplify it so then it really highlights that you're feeling sad mm-hmm. and you're like oh really yeah like that right but it's like oh it's like the change between a six and a four is not a lot but you know you've gotten sadder but it's like the emotions of that song are a one so that mm-hmm. you know like oh i'm moving in that direction and you're like i need to highlight it and yeah you are sad and it's just like where you are within your own body in a sense it's like some people are super sensitive to that change some people won't feel the change until they're at one well, right. and, I, and I think too, sometimes, like you were saying, sometimes you could be at that six and you just hear like the intro melody mm-hmm. and you're instantly down to that four and it changes your mood like that. Yes. But like we were just saying, it's helpful to go through mm-hmm. that and then you're like, okay, this is where I need to be to mm-hmm. feel what's actually under the surface because yes. if I'm at the six, I'm... I'm I'm sugarcoating it. Yes, and that's yeah. it, right? That's why, like, what you were yeah. saying about how you amplify it, I go, yeah, maybe it was it was just a, f- a four for you, but then you brought it up just because you needed to make sure, like, okay, cool, it's stuck, and then I will deal with that mm-hmm. at a later point and make sure that it's dealt with, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But it's a sensitivity. Like, to me, it's always about, like, the change because some people, like, they won't notice until it's, like, on the complete opposite end of the spectrum, mm-hmm. right? So you won't notice you're happy until it's a 10, or you won't notice you're sad until it's a one, but realistically, it's never 
the polar opposites. It's going to be like a six one day and a three and whatnot, right? And you're just kind of moving on the spectrum. Mm -hmm. But it's just a matter of like your emotions that day or like the stress levels or whatever the case is. But you just need to be sensitive to the changes and the fluctuations because like you like good things will help bring you towards one thing and the other end and then other things will trigger you and bring you back towards the other side and it's just knowing what those are that like move them in those directions mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. i'm sitting with cue cue sad music <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it's I, I i literally it's it's one of my i was looking at my top 25 like songs played recently <laughs> and it's yeah. it's just so funny because sad music is like very present there and I can go through the playlist and I can, that's for when this happened. That's from when that happened. And I, I can actually attach the song to mm-hmm. a moment. Mm-hmm. And so it's so crazy to think about, but sometimes even looking, just looking at the song name is like a trigger <laughs> for me, which is wild. But again, it comes back to this like subconscious thing where I truly love the song, mm-hmm. but then you're like, why do I love it? Is it the song itself? Is mm-hmm. it the memory? Is it the, you know, emotions that are attached to it? Like there's so mm-hmm. many different things that come from that. Mm-hmm. And what you're saying is like, you can always feel when the artist does a really good job of highlighting it and like really em- embodying the emotion. Um, and absolutely, it's cooler when you see it like performed, right? Like I think a good example that I can think of is like Taylor Swift. Or like, <laughs> okay, I know I, I this is a left field. I know this is left field. I was like, Oh, um, I could have used a Drake example, but I was like, I'm going to go with the Taylor so, Swift one because okay. there's a song that she sings on her red album all too well that it was like, okay, that's a, one of those songs. You're like, mm-hmm. okay, there's emotion here. But when then you see, like she performs it, she like plays it acoustically and she like is you in tears. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. She's in tears. You're like, who's this about? Right. You're like, <laughs> but that's one of those songs that you're like, this one was, important to you right yeah. and mm-hmm. to her if it's important to her then everyone you can obviously feel the emotion in that song yeah. you're like yeah mm-hmm. that's what i want to see performed like if she ever plays like a, a greatest hits i was like i just want to see that song performed because i could feel everything in that right yeah mm-hmm. like same with like the we like there's this artist who can really bring it out and then even highlight it within the way they perform it and whatnot so for me it's division hallucinations oh that song <laughs> is fucking fire it reminds me of a specific period of time in my life and live that vocal is insane like dre i know she's a big fan like yeah Yeah. no huge yeah i love 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 oh my god so you're right that note when you hear that note you're like oh man it takes you back right it takes you back back. but but like the growth is in like Mm-hmm. At one point, yeah. that song made me yeah. horribly sad. Cry. Sad. sad cry, yeah. Horribly sad. Yeah. But now I can appreciate Happy it cry. for the art that it is. Yeah. And, yeah. and also the growth that's happened from, you know, maybe what it initially meant to mm-hmm. what it means now. Um, but like we said, the triggers don't go away completely. So there's always yeah. that, that like little part where it's like, of course. sometimes it's a little bit sad. But yeah, like if I'm feeling if I'm feeling down in the dumps, yeah. even if it's not related to a person, yeah. that song is going on right away. It's in, that, was, <laughs> that one's in my top twenty-five. I what about that. you? What about you, Dre? What what song? Uh, yeah, I mean, Division would be on there for sure. What was that? I have no idea. Okay, start know. again with yeah. Division would be on. Or, what? Yeah, yeah, Division would be on my playlist as well. Funny enough, there's some Jesse Reyes on there. Oh no, okay. Jesse Reyes is great with Your that girl, emotional, Sean. emotional. There's just two songs. Feeling. It's a great one and okay. Love in the Dark, where I'm just always like, 
like that yeah. just gets you all I the time. I cried at Love in the yeah. Dark when she no. sang it. So at did that. I. Yeah. Yeah. But so that, did I. And that's but, why I think I play it over and over again. Is yes. because it made me emotional then, and it makes yeah. me emotional now. But you can feel the emotion in. She like has such a talent of getting that out, and you feeling like the, mm-hmm. that in her voice, right? You could feel the emotions in her voice. You're like, dang, what, like Jesse. Mm-hmm. You know, you're pulling this out of me. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think it. it's so interesting that like we kind of talked about, we started talking about triggers, kind of how we feel them physically and things like that. And now we're talking about how we intentionally trigger ourselves mm-hmm. in ways that we feel and find mm-hmm. are healthy in helping us deal with mm-hmm. situations. And I just, I did not expect the conversation yeah. to go there. So I, mm-hmm. I'm fascinated yeah. by it. But it's mm-hmm. going back to like, I think all three of us are doing some sort of work to work on the root cause. So like this is, actually productive to learn like what that is and i think it's also very human for us to be like i want to feel like this yeah. and i think it's healthy yeah. to feel that right yeah. it's like mm-hmm. oh i'm not feeling the happiest so let's put something on that fits this vibe right well, yeah. and i also think too it's really for this conversation like we're all big music people mm-hmm. and so the default to deal with a lot of things in in each of our worlds is music mm-hmm. and so that's just i think unique to the three of us but i'm sure there's lots of other ways that people I'm sure people turn to poetry, right? Mm-hmm. Or they turn to a book that, you know, the, yeah. the, the kind of narrative of the story is something mm-hmm. that's related to what they're going through. Or Food and drink. Food you know? and drink. Yeah. 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 Go to a bar. I was going to say book too, especially because, um, especially like personal development books, because sometimes yeah. it can speak to a concept or a theory or mm-hmm. something that you're like, that just made a lot of sense to me. But are you looking like, are you looking at the book to learn something or you're looking at it to trigger you to go deeper into something um no sometimes it's actually i guess similar to music it's a it's to validate i think what you're feeling in a lot of ways yeah it's to validate Mm because you know you can be so in your head and you're just like i'm driving myself crazy Mm -hmm. because you're looking at it from all these different sides and you're like i think i just need like something to ground it a little bit and so for me what i was going to talk about is this book that's called um something about the the mountain is you or something and it's all about self-sabotage and there was specifically a chapter in there about triggers but it's looking at each emotion and what is like underneath that Mm. so for example like um anger could be like it's telling you where your boundaries have been crossed or when you're resenting something or someone, it's because you had unrealistic expectations. Mm-hmm. Or when you're um, guilty is one I've been looking at. Um, a lot of the time when people who experience guilt, they're not actually guilty of doing something. Um, but somewhere along the line, someone made them think that by choosing themselves or doing whatever, that like that wasn't okay. And so it's almost like what you didn't do that you're feeling guilty for so it's a really cool book because it breaks down like all these different emotions and what the truly like underlying theme is that's Mm -hmm. there which i felt was really interesting because i think sometimes it's hard to pinpoint what you're actually feeling Mm -hmm. you're like i'm feeling things is it sad i don't know if sad's really it am i angry yeah i don't really know if that's really it like to find the word i guess to be like it's that well that's and that's why i think that like a book or something is helpful yeah mm-hmm. no that's why like what i think about is like a friend of mine says like you need to feel like it's a space to feel mm-hmm. and really understand what each emotion feels like right mm-hmm. so and then if the better we can describe each emotion and like really yeah. understand what each of them means 
that's then you can figure out how to deal with it a bit better because like if you're feeling you know jealousy or resentment you're going to deal with it differently than if you're feeling guilty or if you're like angry i Mm -hmm. think like maybe the initial like release of that emotion could be very much the same thing but then when you're looking at it afterwards it's going to be a little bit different Mm -hmm. there's like um there's like an emotion wheel. You guys ever seen that emotion wheel? Yes. Where it's like there's colors and then it's associated with that. And it's yep. like, here's like the general emotion and here's the words that like kind of actually yeah. describe how to, how to describe it. I go with that's something I find super valuable because it's like, oh yeah, you're right. You could be happy, but then be blissful or mm. content or whatnot. And like happy has different ways to describe it. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's just really figuring out what each of those mean. And the better we can articulate that, the better we can I don't know, share tell people what boundaries it are or what yeah. emotions we're, we're going through or whatnot, right? Yeah. Yeah, because I always, I was having this conversation with someone where I feel like there's like actually three emotions where it's like sad, happy, and like mad or something. And then within that, it gets even more granular. So for example, if I say that I'm frustrated, the root emotion of frustration is I'm angry. Mm-hmm. But it's just like on what spectrum of anger? Is mm-hmm. it like a 10 out of 10 where I'm like, fuck this shit? Or am I frustrated? It's like it's a minor kind of inconvenience. It's bugging me. Mm-hmm. But the the emotion underneath is still anger. Yes. it. I think of it as um, five emotions. And did you guys ever watch Inside Out? Oh, that yeah. Movie? yeah. Like, that's one of yes. the best movies. I still think that's like a top 10 movie all time because of the concept. And mm-hmm. it's like the details in it i don't want to read it for everybody but it's like the when you look at the parents and then the daughter and you see even what emotion is in the front seat is in the the main seat who's a primary driver in that it's like for the dad it's it's anger mm-hmm. anger is the one um doing that and then like for the mom i think it's sadness who's mm-hmm. like leading everything and then the daughter it's joy right right mm-hmm. and you look at it and you're like yeah that makes a lot of sense for where they are kind of just in their lives or whatever the deal is and it's like okay well how do we all how do, how could we just go back to let joy lead like what we're doing no right? it's an interesting <laughs> question cool. to yeah. like like even as part of the you know when we're talking about triggers like that that uh, review process of like what mm-hmm. is this like mm-hmm. that's a good question to ask like i'm feeling this way what would it take for joy to drive the bus again mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden it's like well maybe i want this to change well okay maybe i don't have control over that but i can control how I respond to it. So that means I need to do X, Y. So even mm-hmm. a simple question like that has a lot of power behind it, mm-hmm. but you're attaching it to the emotion, which is really great yeah, because cool. you're identifying and acknowledging like right now I feel angry or I'm sad, but I want joy yes. back in the driver's seat. Mm-hmm. That's why it's funny, right? Cause that's why I love that watching that movie. Cause it's you see, movie. you see mm-hmm. the way they, all the emotions interact and you're like, okay, <laughs> like, you're right. I think that's who was driving her. Like they had an outburst and I just, it's such a good way to personify, but also like articulate how those emotions regulate us. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, it's such a, that's, that to me is still one of the top, yeah. Top 10 movie all time. You know? Yeah. It's no, I agree cool. with you there. And, and you know, Dre has a couple times mentioned self-sabotage. So I think that that's a good place to end this conversation and mm. we can pick up self-sabotage Ooh. the next time. Okay. Stay tuned. <laughs> Thank you everyone for joining us today in the off season. Until next time, be sure to hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And don't forget to continue the conversation with us on Instagram at offseason.to. Talk soon.